cannot wait to get into this miracle series. Uh, it's a five-week series. Three of the weeks, we're going to be in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, but I am like, they would say about a horse, they would say like chomping at the bit, like to just get into this thing. Uh, and that's me right now. But I got to kind of pace myself because uh, I got like some setup to do in the beginning. But in the last couple weeks of this series, I believe God is really going to do the miraculous. And uh, he does every single week that we gather. But I believe we're, we're pulling on and we're requesting of God to do the impossible. And uh, I gave this analogy to the first service. Uh, I have a golden retriever. He's like 12 or 13 years old. He's an old man now. But in his younger days, uh, he loves the water. So we would go to Lake Michigan. And that dog is so stinking smart. And he loves, loves, loves the water. I can't even tell you how much this dog loves the water. And uh, to the point that as we got close to the lake, some of you who have water dogs, you, you know that this is an exaggeration, is not an exaggeration. He learned the roads. I'm not kidding. We would get close to where the lake or the beach, Grand Haven, wherever we're going, and he would start losing his mind. He was jumping all in the car and getting excited. And you couldn't even see the water yet. He just knew. And, and he's going so crazy, so crazy. He just can't wait to get to that water. But like, dude, there's some things we had to do before you could get in the water. You got to get your collar on. You got to do your thing. And so I would open the door. We would have to like wait, wait. Because when he was young, pup, before we knew how crazy he was about water, I would open the door. He would just fall out onto the ground and run for the water. And so it's like we had to like prepare ourselves to take this dog to the lake. And, and, so, and so I'd have to be like, hold on, buddy, hold on. I'm trying to put his collar on. And he's all going crazy. And then as soon as you could, like, uncle just let him, he just ran for the water. It's like Baywatch dog. Just dun, 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 and dive. And he loves it. And I kind of feel that way about this series. I know the lake is here. Like, I, like I'm telling you, like, I've never felt anything before. I know we're crossing over into something amazing. We've already crossed over. But what God has for this church and for you and for me and for this area, this region, what God has, like, the lake is here. But I'm sitting here as the pastor, like, okay, hold on. I got to get the collar on. I got to do a few things. I can't fall out of the car. <laughs> so the first three weeks is going to be me trying not to fall out of the car, right, and get the collar on. So the first week, we're talking about fasting this week. We're going to talk about fasting. Next week, we're talking about prayer. You say, oh, I know about prayer. No, you don't know about prayer. We learn about prayer all the time. We're going to continue to learn about prayer. So prayer is next week. And then the third week, we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God, how to hear from God. And then in the fourth and the fifth week, I'm not sure which way I'm going to do it yet, but we're going to talk on two things. One of our Sundays is going to be a healing Sunday. I believe that we're going to just have friends, family, people come that need a miracle, and we're going to believe and trust God that he's going to do a miracle on that day. Can I get an amen? So be praying about what that looks like already. And then another week is uh, I'm going to be talking about how to take back what the devil stole from you. Because I believe that's not like a churchy idea, like, I'm going to take back what the enemy stole. No, the, the scripture actually says not only do you have the right and the authority to take back what the enemy tried to steal, God says not only do you get to take it back, but the enemy then has to pay you back seven times. Amen. So it's not some like, oh, that preacher's getting all excited about taking back. No, God says when the enemy tries to steal from you, there's a, there's a payback to this. And we're going to talk about it. I believe that's a supernatural miracle of God for us to say, hold on just a second. We need to go get back what the enemy tried to take from you. Did the enemy try to steal from you in 2020 or in your past? It's time for us to say, we're going to go back there and get that. Plus interest. Can I get an amen? So the first three weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to not fall out of the car. And then we're going to get into the other. And I'm just so convinced of what God has for this church and for your life uh, that, that I'm just, I'm so settled on we are stepping into the miraculous. It's not ridiculous for me to put on a graphic that we're believing for the impossible and God is going to do the miraculous because it's what he does. Yeah. 
we have a sign hanging in our house. <coughs> it says, it says, it's a quote by Bill Johnson, and it says, uh, it says, God's expectation of you is to do the miraculous or to do the impossible. God's expectation of you and me is to walk and be in the impossible, do the impossible. You say, well, pastor, how can you say that? Jesus said it about you and about me. Jesus looks at his disciples and he's about to ascend to heaven. I want you to hear this. He says, hey, all the things I've done, you're going to do even greater things. Jesus raised the dead, healed the sick, blind eyes open, deaf ear, demons cast out. All of the signs and wonders that Jesus did, Jesus looks back at the disciples and says, you, Christ followers, I believe that you can do what I did and even greater. Can I get an amen today? Do you believe that? And so I'm just here to say I'm so convinced. There's so many great things happening. Uh, like you guys are like, does he have a TV? Like, does he have the internet? I'm telling you, you should be so excited to live in the time that you're living in. There's so many things happening in the year just 21, seven, the number seven, three times. So seven, complete all the, 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 the spiritual significance of all the numbers that we've stepped into and that we're, that we're into. I'm telling you, you should be so excited about the time that you live in. One example for why I'm like so excited to be in this season is because as like your shepherd and as a pastor, and I don't really speak this way very much. But as your shepherd, as your pastor, like I get to go before you. I get, I get to kind of tread the wine press before you. Uh, and so I'm in the valleys. I'm, I'm climbing the mountains. And then like Moses, and I'm not trying to compare myself to Moses. I'm just saying I get to come back with the word and share it with the people. And so uh, as much as we're getting ready to step into this and walk into this, I'm here to tell you that I'm so convinced of it because, because I've, I've, I've gone ahead and I've seen. I want you to hear me this morning like, Like, I've gone ahead and I've seen what God has for you and for this church. And the people that he's sent here is not by accident. You're sitting here, you're being, maybe you're a guest, maybe you're in the additional seating, you're being like, what did we come to? I'm telling you, God did it. Don't blame me. God wants to take you somewhere. I've walked through the valley with the Lord, and he's guided me, and he's shown me where we're going. God sent us people. He's positioned things. He's protected us from things. Why? Because he has something for us. I believe like this graphic, mountains are falling away in this region, in this community, in this city, in this nation. And you're going to be a part of that. You say, oh, I don't know, pastor. You're starting to talk crazy. That's okay. Faith makes you act crazy, right? But listen, I'm convinced of it. I'm so convinced of it. And so I, I hope there's like a, like almost like a, a serious tone to like what you're going to hear over the next several weeks because, because you're in a holy moment. Like when you say, oh, God led the children of Israel and then God delivered the people and they marched around the thing. There's all these seasons that God used people in the miraculous. And we think it's like for the Bible. Now I'm talking about like a bunch of people are sitting in an old hospital and God's got a mission for you and a purpose for you. And he wants you to walk in the signs and wonders. And it doesn't matter what your past is. Because like Daniel said, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And God is wanting to do signs and wonders through you. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I thought about how unfair it is uh, like when women uh, have babies. They're, they're pregnant for nine months or sometimes a little less or more or whatever. But men say stupid things uh, when the baby's born. So like, oh, you know, so the baby's born, and then the, 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 the man says something like, um, like, oh, the baby's born. Like, oh, look, like, oh, we did it. <laughs> like, like the only thing that happened was, like, delivery. 
when that sweet lady carried that thing for nine months. Or they'll say something like, oh, look, she's here, he's here, as if like the baby just became into existence in that labor hour. And mom's like, no, it's been with me for nine months. Like this thing is, and so I'm kind of saying that as your pastor, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like put myself ahead of you or in front of you or any kind of prideful way. I'm just saying what we're going to see in 2021, I've been treading the wine press. I've, I've had the labor pains of what God wants to do. And so we get to step into, oh, it's here, and it's going to be here, and it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to celebrate with you. But I, I, I hope that you're hearing my heart in this when I'm saying, like, I didn't just say, what should we preach about in 2020? Oh, let's tell them it's going to be a year of miracles. Like, no, God has formed this and predestined this and planned this. Are you with me today? And so I'm, I'm trying to build your faith that this isn't like a cute series. I'm, I'm kind of building your faith to say, like, buckle up and toughen up because we're doing this thing. Are you with me? In 2020, uh, my mama told me when I was growing up, she said, you better not make a face because if you make faces, your face is going to get stuck like that. And she's not from New York, but I made her sound like that. But <laughs> your face is going to be stuck like that. And so I never tried to make faces because my face would be stuck like that. But in 2020, if my face, of all the things, the way I saw Christians act, the way I saw Christians talk about things, react to things, the, 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 the way that we justified things as Christians, uh, if my face was going to be stuck like anything in 2020, this is how my face would have been stuck. Go ahead. Like, that would have been my... <laughs> What are you people saying? How are you saying that? Where did you get that? God certainly didn't say that. You can get rid of that. But I spent the year just being like, what? And here's why I felt that way is because you're Christians, Christians. That's how we got our name. You're Christians. You're Christ-like people. And so God is a God of signs and wonders and the miraculous, and he walks in the impossible. And Jesus modeled that for us. That's no joke. Like, he came and said, here's how you are called to live, and this is what it looks like, and we're to model that. And so this Christian, who me and you are, means that when impossible things show up on our doorstep, we don't back down. We don't give cute answers for why we're not going to face the impossible. Well, you know, it'd be better if we don't. And I'm not talking about safety and you taking care of your, yourself and your health and your family and those kind of things. But I'm talking about when opposition and the enemy shows up, as Daniel was even talking about, and the spiritual forces and the principalities all are trying to ravage and make, make strong attempts to, to bring about darkness in greater ways. When the impossibilities show up, and, and we say, well, we better be careful. And other people have this like, like, it's time for us to use faith. Oh, I'm out. That's tough. I can't see it. I don't believe it. I don't know how to equate it in my natural world. So I'm going to take a step back. I need a break. I'm going to see. And it blew my mind to see when the impossible odds, when miracle territory showed up, Christians bailed like they don't want to participate in it. It's who we are, church. Can I get an amen? We are the people of the miraculous and signs and wonders and the impossibilities. So when they show up at our doorstep, it's not time for us to pivot. Yeah. It's time for us to enter in. Can I get an amen? amen? Stand up and stand out and press in. And so it gets so frustrating to me when, when we say, oh, I don't know how that looks. That, that, that looks like faith is required. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't see a way. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Like, that's what the Bible's full of, and that's what we're called to be a part of, and that's what we're going to step into in 2021. I'm a church kid. I told you this, and Facebook friends, I tell you this too. I'm a church kid, and so I have as much annoyance as my list is just as big as your list of things that annoy me about the church and things that I see happening in church. Uh, and But at the same time, I like to think that I've looked at both sides of the coin. Like I've looked at everything possible. And one of the things that's so bizarre and unusual to me is people will believe and trust God through miraculous things that are required. So they'll believe, believe. And then all of a sudden they'll draw a line when it gets to a certain thing. And, and my, here's my examples. We go, prayer. Oh yeah, we can all universally accept prayer as a normal thing, and a Christ follower thing. We believe in prayer. But if you think about prayer, prayer is crazy. Like you would find yourself in a room talking to a supernatural eternal being that you can't see. But that's accepted. Like we're all like, yeah, prayer. Yeah, that makes sense. Prayer. You're just sitting in a room just talking out loud to a thing. That, and so prayer, we don't have a problem with prayer. Communion. We're like, well, communion's not weird. What? You come into a building like this, somebody passed you a super nasty cracker and super gross juice. And then they say a few things out of the Bible. You consume those things. You remember them. And we do it in remembrance of a guy who died on a cross, like for our sins. That are, all of us are like, yeah, I can get with that. That's totally normal. I, that's, that makes sense to me. Your salvation. You believe, and of course we believe communion isn't weird. It's supernatural and it's holy moment and it's powerful. And there's, there's so much in that. And so, yeah, we accept that. Your salvation. You sit here confident that you prayed a prayer and you believed it in your heart, that if you pray this prayer, that your eternity is now, your, your, your eternity card is somehow now switched to eternity in heaven with God. You're like, yes, I believe that happened. Prayed that prayer. And we believe that. We believe in the power of prayer and salvation and in the sinner's prayer. We believe in that stuff. But it's so funny to me when we say things like, oh, uh, we believe that you still have the ability and the authority here on earth to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. People are like, no, no. I draw the line. <laughs> Pray to someone you can't see. You're taking communion with people you don't know. You're believing for your salvation. And then to believe that God's word is true and it says that you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, we say, ah, that's crazy. When the pastor calls you to 21 days of prayer and fasting, if you give up some things, you push aside Netflix and food and coffee and all these different things, you push some of these things aside and you make room for God, you believe that he's going to supernaturally show up and honor you. Fasting, what are you, a cult? This is crazy. Can't have my little diabetes. <laughs> why, why do we draw the line? We come in here and we worship and we sing songs on a screen and we, do, and we love that. And we, oh, it blesses me and I feel the presence of God. And Why do we keep drawing the line? And my challenge to you is I bet a lot of the times we draw the line is because some of those lines are where faith is a little bit more required, yeah. where your comfort zone is a little bit more challenged. Yeah. Fasting, give up something, 21 days, and yeah, that's, it presses you. It presses you. Oh, what about, what about praying for your neighbor? You heard a report somebody got sick, and you're going to call them up and tell them you want to come over and pray for them. Well, I don't know. That's, that would be so, I'd be so uncomfortable. Well, you got to go down to the men's warehouse and you got to get one of those suit jackets and you got to wave it in front of them before you pray for them and that, they'll fall down and they'll get healed. And No, it's none of that. It's none of that. It should be natural, just like you would step in a room and pray for someone, just like you would step into a room and worship, just like you'd step into a room and know it's a holy moment when you receive communion. You can step into a neighbor's moment and say, book of Isaiah says that by your stripes you're healed. 
by Jesus' stripes, by Jesus' stripes, by his stripes, there's healing that's provided for you. And guess what? You wouldn't believe this. I'm not lying, Facebook. Don't let them put the, this information is false. Don't let them put it on there. <laughs> you wouldn't believe this, guys. So many times when we step out in faith and we pray for the sick, you wouldn't believe it. We actually see healings. There's many people in this room who would give you testimony of healings. Why? Because we're Christians. And God said that we'd be able to walk in the miraculous and the impossible. And I'm just crazy enough to believe for it. I know there's probably places in town where they're starting to put up my picture on the wall, being like, watch out for that guy. Doesn't he know the church he's trying to build in Zealand? Like, we got to watch this guy. I feel like I'm being followed at times, right? I don't know if it's because of the shows I'm watching or just making me a little, like, hyper, but I feel like I could kill some people with the pencil, if you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, anyway, I didn't admit to that, but so... I'm just crazy enough to believe that that's still God's design and desire. And so we're going to talk about healing coming up in a little bit. I would actually challenge you to this. The entire message of the cross, I haven't even started my sermon, so I hope you don't have nothing in the potluck or what is it, crock pot? Actually, no one uses crock pots anymore. The cool thing is the air fryer. I have something in the air fryer. You got an air fryer? Jeez. You got air fryer people and Blackstone people. If you're still using a traditional grill, come down here today. We're going to pray for you. <laughs> but you're fasting today. Anyway, this is how I start the fast. I burn your food. So we're going to be here till one or two. Physical, here's, here's what we'll say. Let's start the sermon. Is that a good idea? <laughs> here's what I want to say. Today I want to talk to you about fasting. We will get to like healing. I believe in healing later. We'll talk about some of that stuff and, and the other stuff later. But I want to really set up fasting today. Here's what I would say is this. Physical, I want you to write this down. I want you to know this. Young people, I want you to understand this. Physical obedience always brings... <laughs> physical obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. I feel this for the teenagers in here. Some of you young people are going to make physical decisions that make you different than other people but God's going to bring you spiritual breakthrough. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So you're going to choose to do some things on the account of holiness, yeah. because I believe that's still a thing. Amen. Righteousness. Some of you are going to make physical decisions that are going to bring spiritual breakthrough for you. Amen. It's not an accident that you're here today. You heard this because God wants you to hear. You're going to take a stand physically when the world doesn't stand the way you're standing, and God's going to bring a spiritual breakthrough in your life when you take that. I didn't say that in first service, so God just dropped it on me when I was reading it. So now for, for everybody else, physical obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. We love to think that you're going to just wake up one day, and God's going to throw open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing you're not going to be able to. It always starts with a physical act that you do unto God first. Physical obedience brings God's spiritual breakthrough. We said, God said to Moses, go in before Pharaoh, drop the staff. He had to drop a staff, pick it back up. He did these physical things, and God brought about spiritual breakthrough. David, go get smooth stones. He had to go search and find in physical smooth stones. He had to trust God's word as he's taking these steps in the natural. Oh, these smooth stones, what's this going to do? And 
So many times in scripture do we see God say, go over to this land, go over to that place, go to this thing. Physical acts of obedience, God was able to do march around Jericho, physical acts, blow trumpets, do these things. Why? Because these physical consecrated acts that he did, that, that we do, allows God to pour out spiritual breakthrough. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we all know this. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It says this, guys, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't pay attention to what's coming up in 2021. Don't fret about it. Don't worry about it. Don't try to figure it out. The only thing you have to be concerned with is seeking God first putting his righteousness first in your life, and all those other things will fall into place. How are we going to do it? How's it going to work out? What's going to happen? What are they going to ask me to do? What am I going to have to, what's it going to look like for my kids? None of it matters if you're seeking God and his righteousness and putting him first. All that other stuff works itself out. The scripture talks about the, the law of first things. There's power in the law of first things. We see in scripture, the first of anything is important to God. You're here on Sunday, the first Sunday, or you're watching online. You've dedicated yourself to this first Sunday of the new year, and God is giving a special eye to what we do with our first. So you're here the first Sunday of the new year, and so the first of anything is important to God. I want you to learn the power of the law of the first things. Anytime something is mentioned or happens for the first time, it has great significance to God. Write that down. Anytime something is mentioned or happens for the first time, it has great significance to God. God calls the first thing the devoted thing, meaning the first thing is the thing that belongs to him. We see in scripture, God talks about the first fruits of your increase. The firstborn is always mentioned in scripture. The firstborn of even the animals is mentioned. The first time you give yourself sexually to your spouse, God is saying it's important that you do that in God's way. It's like this. The first of anything represents the total. So the first of anything you give to God then represents the total. When you tithe, you give the first 10%. God blesses the rest of it. It's represented as the total. The first represents the total. It's like when you give the first, it's like you've given all. I'm going to seek you first in this. I'm going to put you first. And then God sees it as the devoted and as the total thing. That's why the design for church is the first Sunday of the week. God says, look, I know you're going to have practice. I know you're going to have all these things. And he's like, if you put me first at the first of all of these things, God says, you put me first. I see the whole thing total, Amen. totally devoted to me. And some of you say, oh, I can't make it on Sunday because I got work. Don't, don't get too caught up in the day. That's the design, but if your heart is like, God, I'm putting you first at this time, God will honor it. Some of you Facebook watchers, you might watch it at a later time, but if you're putting God first consistently, God sees it as the total. Can I get an amen? amen. But if you give me the first of the week, it represents the total. Uh, Romans chapter 11 gives us kind of the basis for this. Write this down. Romans chapter 11, verse 16 says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. The first is the root that determines the rest. What do you do with the first? If your first falls into your career, if the first falls into your social status, if the first falls into your entertainment, all of your different things, if the first falls into those other things, then I'm here to tell you the rest are not going to be blessed. Decide in your heart in this new year, God, this is my dedication to you. This is what I'm doing with my first so that God can bless the branches. Bless. If the root is holy, the rest is holy. 
Can I get an amen? Uh, I would say it to you like this. Uh, Psalm 63 verse 1 says this. kind of gives us like our, our motives here. It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. God's love, our connection to God, our putting God first is better than life. So it'd be nice if I had this. It would be nice if I had that. Maybe if I worked a lot harder this year and I opened it and I got this, God's love is better than life. And if you can put his love, if you can put him first in your life, it's better than anything else that you can participate in. Can I get an amen? Scripture says, you are God, my God. I earnestly seek you. Let me break this down for a minute and then I'll teach you a little bit about fasting. It says, you are God, my God, and I will seek you. The word seek here is this, to try to acquire or gain, to aim at, ask for, request, or attempt to discover. It means this, to remove distractions in pursuit of. You need to be a people. I need to be a people. I need to be a pastor that your goal in 2021 is this, to be a people who remove distractions in pursuit of seeking God. To acquire, to gain, to aim at, to ask for, to request, to attempt, to discover. Those need to be the words that we use in our pursuit with God this year. Can I get an amen? What are we removing? That's why prayer and fasting is so important. Why? Because it allows us to be the people who remove distractions in pursuit of. It says we earnestly seek him, which is characterized or proceeding by advancing from an intense and serious state of mind. Is your pursuit with God one that is in an intense in serious pursuit and state of mind. My challenge to you would be this. Do you come here on a Sunday morning and it would be said about you that you've come through these doors with an intense and a serious state of mind about seeking God? Could you imagine if we all came in with an intense and a serious state of mind in our pursuit for God? Yeah. What would that look like? Can I get an amen? Yeah. An intense and a serious state of mind. I thought about one of the ways that the devil's tricked us all is he's built churches that don't come in, or he's allowed us, he's tricked us into allowing churches to be built, lacking this earnest seeking. So what do we do? We come in, we have church at the same old place, the same old way, the same old people, we say the same old things, the same old way, and there's no intense desire to say, God, what are you saying to me? Are you with me? Not in this place. We're going to say all kinds of things. You're going to leave here with... All the things, smoking cigarettes, cussing, all the. Uh, I have people say to me all the time, uh, I'm going to tell you about fasting in just a minute, but I want you to hear this. I have people say to me all the time, well, pastor, I would love to have the blessing that they have. Oh, I would just love to have the relationship they have with God. I would love to have that. Uh, But, you know, they were raised in church or, you know, they have time to do that. Or, you know, if I had the kind of time to see God the way they see God, or if I could go to the groups the way that they go, and and if I could do that, if if I was raised the way they were, listen, I'm here to tell you this. You do not stumble upon a great relationship with God. Generationally, I do believe that you can hand down blessing generationally, but that's something that has to be exercised and kept and maintained. So I don't want you to look around and say, oh, you don't know my past. You don't know my past. I could never have a relationship with God like that because of where I came from. Oh, I don't know enough. You know, I don't know enough, so I'm never going to be able to have a... No, God is always saying, if you seek me, you will find me. So it's got to be worked on. A great relationship with God, I believe, is this. It's put into place. Prayer and fasting helps you put things 
with God into place. Psalm 910 says this, those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, will never, you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You're going to have to write this down in 2021. There's going to be times where you feel like God has forsaken you. But the scripture promises you this, those who know your name and trust you, the Lord will never forsaken those who seek him. It's a good place to say amen, friends. Forsaken is this, turned away from. God will never turn away from those who seek him. Why do we do 21 days of prayer and fasting? Why are we believing for the impossible? Why are we going after God this way? Because God doesn't turn away from those who seek him. If we need a miracle, is he going to turn away from us? No. No. He doesn't turn away from. Psalm 104 uh, says this, verse 4. It says, uh, gives us a warning here about people who fall away from seeking God. It says this in verse 4. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. We say, oh, well, who's the wicked man? What's the wicked man? The wicked man is the person that just described in all his thoughts, there's no room for God. The wicked person would be the person who says something like this. I don't need to do the 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's for some of the other church people. That's for people who, that doesn't really do it for me. I have my own things. I I don't need to do 21 days. uh, You've made no room in your thoughts for God. Well, you don't understand. I got a promotion this year and I got to go after it and I got to impress people and I got to grind. I got to make my focus. You know, the scripture says faithful and little and God will give you more. So I need to steward this promotion really well. Or we're building this house or we need to get to this next thing. And we need to, you've made no room for God. You've made no room for God. And it says, uh, the pride of the wicked man does not seek him in all his thoughts. There's no room for God. Wickedness does not take time to read the word, pray, worship, give, serve. Are you with me today? I know I'm bringing you a big truth, but I'm just here to tell you, even on Facebook, we do the reading plan. Why? Not because I, oh, we all got to read the Bible together. No, no. I want you to do that. Why? Because we're making room for thoughts of God. Can I get an amen today? We see the downfall of King Isaiah. I'll be done here in just a little bit. Uh, a couple more things about fasting, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But the, I want you to know this. King Isaiah, uh, the scripture says he was a king, Isaiah, who did right in the eyes of the Lord. So here's a king that God says, this is a man who does right in my eyes. So he's got the stamp of approval from God. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5, it says this, he sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. 11 verses later, it says, but Uzziah became powerful and his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. When he was in a position of seeking God and pursuing God and going after God, God said that he was powerful, but he was taken care of and he was blessed. The scripture says right here, it says that God gave him success. God gave him success. As as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. But when he made it about him, I can handle this. I got this. I can do this. Look what I've built. Look what I've made. Look what I've put together. The scripture says that pride became his downfall. I would say the downfall of every single American Christian who falls and who misses God's blessing is because at some point they let it get into their hearts and mind. I've built this. I've done this. I don't need God. Look what I'm able to do. Are you with me today? I wrote it down like this. There is strength and weakness, and there's weakness and strength. Scripture says, when I'm weak, he's strong. There is strength in our weakness where we say, God, I need you. I have to depend on you. I'm seeking you. I'm pursuing you. But then there's great weakness that comes when we say, I'm good. I got this on my own. Can I get an amen? 
As long as he sought the Lord, he was strong. But when he relied on himself, he had a downfall. When we are weak with God, temptation is strong. Why do we do 21 days of prayer and fasting? Why do we read through the Bible in a year? Why do we make sure we're committed to church? Why? Because when we are weak with God, temptation is strong. But when we are strong with God, temptation becomes weak. I'm not saying, oh, we got to do all this stuff because, I, you know, I get the, here's a program we want to do at the church. No, it's because this stuff matters. Can I get an amen? amen? Psalm verse 34, verse 10 says this. Psalm 34, 10 says, the lions may grow weak. They've been weak for a long time. Can I get an amen? <laughs> The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I'm here to tell you, if you hear anything today, know this. If you wake up every day and say, God, today's the day that I'm going to seek you, God's promises is you'll lack no good thing. I got all these things to do, and I, got all, I wish I had this, and I wish I had that, and I wish I had this. If you're a person who seeks the Lord, you'll lack no good thing. We've got to be a people who seek. Jeremiah 29, 11. We love this. We send it to all the kids at graduation. Don't forget this, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And then it says this, then you will call on me and come to me and pray, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. We love to say, God's got a plan to prosper you and give you a future and a hope, and it's going to be amazing. But all of it is connected to our ability to seek him. Amen. Yeah. We love all the promises. God's going to overwhelm you and overtake you. All of it is connected to our passion and our desire and our ability to seek him. Okay. You're here on the first Sunday of the first year in a series called Miracle, and you're hearing a message that says, be a person who seeks God. Why? Because God's promise is that he has plans to give you future and a hope, but it's tied to our seeking him. A.W. Tozer says this, there will be no manifestation of God to his people apart from earnest seeking. You're not going to get any of it if we're not a person who seeks. People say, God, why aren't you moving in my life? God, why haven't you shown up? And he's like, I can't add until you seek. We have to be a people who pursue and push aside all the distractions of, of our heart and our own minds and all of our things. And we be a people who seek God. That's why Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Scripture is so clear. You want doors open for you? You want the thing? Be a person who seeks God. Knocks, pursues, goes after. I know I'm being redundant, but I'm just trying to get you to see the most important thing you can do is pursue God at all costs. You think, oh, i got to work on this, i got to work on this other thing over here. No, no, no. When you work on seeking God, these things work themselves out. Right. I'll close with this. Here's a couple of things about fasting. We're in 21 days. We're kicking it off right now. 21 days of prayer and fasting. So whether you leave and eat lunch, that's fine. Or maybe after dinner, you're, you're, maybe you're, whatever you decide to do, whenever you decide to launch it, I would encourage you to launch it today. Uh, but here's what I would say. Pray and seek and ask God how he would have you Join us in 21 days of prayer and fasting. As I mentioned, Psalm 133 says that there's a commanded blessing that comes on us when we do something in unity. And so you're joining together, not just with your church, but you know that there's millions of people, there's thousands of churches globally that are launching prayer and fasting initiatives today. So you're joining literally with a global unity party here that God is saying there's a commanded blessing, there's a guaranteed blessing that comes on you. 
And so whatever it looks like is up to you. We made prayer and fasting guides. They're at the coffee bar. So on your way out, you can pick up one of those guides. They're totally free. And it gives you some instructions about how to fast, what you can fast, what you should do, what it should look like. For some of you, it might be social media. For some of you, it might be technology. For some of you, it's a food-based thing. Most of the time in scripture, you see it as a food-based thing. But here's why we do fasting. Fasting begins with the desire for deeper intimacy with the Lord. I believe it's a secret to opening doors, miracles, and God's favor in our life. Most of us would say we wouldn't be content with the year we had last year. We're believing for more. And I believe fasting pushes aside the distractions of the world and makes room for more of God. Fasting is not just skipping from food, skipping food or other things. It's fasting is refraining from things for a spiritual purpose. We see in the book of Matthew that uh, there's a demon-possessed boy, and the disciples are trying to cast out this demon, and they're struggling to do it. Even though in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus had just given them all authority to be able to do this. So they're struggling with it. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you will say to a mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But then he goes on to say in verse 21, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus is telling us there's only some things that will be broken or delivered in our life unless we have a lifestyle or a habit or a patterns of prayer and fasting. We knew Jesus knew so much about supernatural things and he participated in fasting. We know he fasted 40 days. We know Moses was fasting for 40 days when he got the Ten Commandments. We saw that Esther called a fast among the Jews before she went into the king's court and got her breakthrough. We know that Hannah went on a fast. She was unable to have children. She went on a fast before she had her miracle child, Samuel. We see in Scripture there's all kinds of fasting. There's 40 days, 21 days. There's a three-day fast. Daniel went on a fast. Paul, Peter, there's fasting all throughout Scripture. Why? Because it's a discipline and it's a process of Christian living, prayer and fasting. It wouldn't be this much in scripture if it wasn't something that's supposed to be a part and a pattern of your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so my last kind of advice on this is you would say, oh, what should I do? I don't know what to do. I've never done it before. Here's kind of the rule on fasting. And I get it. People think, oh, this is so weird. What, what, What kind of church did I go to? Again, maybe it's your first time here. You're like, oh, what did I sign up for? I just want to encourage you You know, our job is to follow Christ, do what Christ did. And he modeled fasting, and so did his disciples and other people in Scripture. And so I'm going to challenge you. It's a part of Christian living, so you should consider what it looks like for your life. But here's what it comes down to. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then it doesn't mean anything to God. I don't like asparagus. So it would be silly for me for 21 days to be like, all right, Lord, I'm giving you asparagus. It doesn't cost me anything. It won't accomplish anything. It has to be sacrificial. What is it costing you? The other part that I would say is this. If not combined with reading the word and prayer and worship, then really you're just on a diet. You've like pushed aside some things and you've, you've done some self-discipline things. But if you got to combine it with the word and worship and prayer so that it's spiritual, uh, I would say it like this. Um, if in your mind you say, I don't know what I would give up, and something pops up in your mind or your spirit, your heart, something pops up and, and you go, oh, gosh, I could never give that up probably the thing you should give up for 21 days. Oh, I don't know. That's, that's going to be so tough. I don't know if I could ever. There's no way. I, I need that. I depend on that. Okay, so you want to depend on that more than you want to depend on God? Am I telling the truth today? Now, everybody, go get your coffee pots. We're going to pour them out at the altar today. I don't drink coffee, so I don't have to feel that. 
But here's what I want you to hear about fasting. This, this, this is a really, really cool kind of perspective to keep when you're on a fast. When you commit to a 21-day fast, here's what I want you to understand. That entire time you're in a committed fast, that means you're in a constant place of worship. Lord, I'm not going to do this. For the entire 21 days, you've then put yourself in a constant place of worship. Oh, Lord, it's hard. Oh, look at Because here's the problem. You go on a fast, then all of a sudden, every commercial on TV is Pizza Hut. Like, oh, Lord. Oh, wait a second. I'm in a constant place of fast. I'm in a constant place of worship right now. Lord, this is my worship to you. I understand what I'm saying. And so you got to decide. Maybe for you, it's social media. And kind of my last encouragement in this is you can't, you can't like give up something and then just fill that time with something else. Uh, it's meant to make room for God. Just, oh, I'm going to give up Netflix. I'm not going to give up Netflix. Maybe you watch it for eight hours a week or something like that. Oh, I normally give. And so, you, oh, Lord, I'm not going to do Netflix for you. And then you just watch other TV for the same amount of time. Oh, Lord, I'm not going to do this and kind of entertainment or whatever you do. And then you just fill it with some other kind of thing. It's got to be a sacrifice. You're pushing aside to make room for more of God. That's the goal. That's the, so maybe social media, media, maybe it's sports, maybe whatever, something that has a hold on you that would be a sacrifice for you to just push aside and make room for God. And again, I just encourage you, you're joining with millions of people. Get your family involved. I just told my kids, I said, listen, guys, kids, for 21 days, we're going to fast. There'll be no talking in this house for 21 days. We're not going to... We're not going to talk. There'll be no talking. And I said, honey, that's you too. No talking. And Jess shouted back in first service, like, you talk more than I do. And then I was reminded of many times at nighttime, I'll be talking to her, and then I'll look over, and she's sleeping. <laughs> Is that a lie? It's truth. And then, I'm, and then I'm so sad. And I have to get out my journal and be like, my wife didn't listen to me again. <laughs> Just kidding. That's half truth. But get your kids involved. You know, they're not going to fully grasp the whole, we're going to push things aside and da-da-da-da. But you can do your best to explain, hey, we're going to sacrifice because God sacrificed for us. So we're going to give up whining for 21 days. And we're going to, some of you need to give up other whining. But anyway, <laughs> that's another. Let me pray for you, and then, uh, and then we'll dismiss you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for our time in your presence. Lord, we do know that you're here and speaking to us. God, I pray that these words challenge us, encourage us, motivate us. God, your word has so many promises for that if we seek you, we can find you. Lord, that our ways will find success. We'll be able to bring glory to your kingdom as we pursue you. God, give us that desire in Jesus' name. Amen.